So hello, I'm Chris, and um, we're we're going through a series just out of the barony on the fruit of the spirit. And uh, I volunteered uh, to talk about joy because um, it looked like no one else was going to do it. <laughs> I felt I had something to say, didn't know what. Um, but here's the here's the pain. Joy do, joy doesn't really have its own passage in the Bible. It doesn't have a very clear definition at any point. So. And lots of people as I've done my research and study and this I've tackled joy and the fruit of the spirit in lots of different ways. So here's how I'm gonna do it. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start off. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read from Galatians 5 or talk about the fruit of the spirit just yet. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna talk about joy and try and define it. I'm gonna cherry pick <laughs> good choice of words. Yeah. Gonna cherry pick um, a few bits of scripture. I'm gonna give you my talk about joy or mention joy, I'm gonna try and give you my interpretation of what it is. And then I'm going to talk about the fruit of the spirit, <coughs> and uh, yeah, we'll just go from there. Sound good? Yes. yes. Cool. Okay, so uh, we'll start. So let's start with a comparison. So, what's the difference between happiness and joy? Uh, when I was young, um, about four, five, or maybe six, uh, I asked my mother. Um, how do I be happy, or how do I live a happy life? I had a lot of existential crises as a child. I won't, I won't lie, it's it really warped me. <laughs> I asked her mum, how do I be happy? And uh, she said, happiness is not the destination, but part of the journey. And that sounds like it belongs on a tea mug, doesn't it? Mm. Or like a really bad tattoo on someone's back. But she actually was right. She set a really good expectation um, for me. I kind of pictured it as life is like driving down a road and some bits of the road of the tarmac, it's just freshly tarmac, it's nice weather, there's no other cars, it's mm -hmm. great, it's fun, it's enjoyable and sometimes the tarmac is bumpy, sometimes you're caught in a traffic jam, sometimes you're not going as fast as you want, sometimes the weather's crap, or there's all combination of a few mm -hmm. of them all. But she set a really good expectation for me. <coughs> just because circumstances around me aren't going well, that doesn't mean my life is a failure, I'm failing to live life properly. Although she, mind you, she didn't give me an explanation of what the point of the journey was, <laughs> but that's for David Todd to explain in the sermon. Um, so if, if I could try and describe my, my understanding of happiness. Happiness is an emotional reaction to the circumstances around you. Um, eating good food, spending time with friends, these things are pleasurable, they make you happy. Um, you know, we feel emotional highs when things are going well. Um, problem with it is that circumstances change and circumstances are often out of our control. And when most people talk about the pursuit of happiness in life, like what do you want from life, I just want to be happy, they don't normally, don't, if they actually think about it, they don't really mean I want to be a happy smile for the rest of my life, I want to be on an emotional high. What they really mean is they want, they want some kind of fulfillment, they want to be at peace with themselves um, and have all the things that are important to them. And I'm not, I'm not demonising happiness. But the pursuit of what makes us happy can be dangerous. For some people, what makes them happy is overeating. What makes them happy is violence. What makes them happy is sinful or destructive. And if you're in a position now where you are happy and things around you are good, and the things around you are good, honourable and praiseworthy, then appreciate it, enjoy it. Um, it it's, not, it's not wrong to be happy. Preach it, Chris. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, but ultimately, uh, happiness is kind of rooted it's in the flesh. And when we say in the flesh, what that, what again I understand it to mean is that it means in our own human nature, it's in our own body, it's in our own humanness. Happiness is a chemical reaction in your brain, it's a, 
it is of the flesh in that sense. So what about joy? So joy, biblically speaking, seems to work on a different set of rules. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out some bits of scripture and I'm going to give you my interpretation of them and then hopefully we're going to get our definition of joy uh, for a Christian. So I'm going to start off with Matthew 5, 11 to 12. So Jesus has said, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil, uh, evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the, same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So that seems to imply that um, it's not based on circumstances, but it's partly to do with the hope of what God's promised, in this case, after death. In Philippians 1, um, while in prison, while in chains, Paul wrote, this is verses 3 to 6, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all you do. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident in this, uh, that he who began a work, uh, good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So it seems to be a celebration of the work of God and celebrating he has brothers and sisters in Christ who are also doing God's work with him. He goes on to talk about um, the fact he's imprisoned and that in that imprisonment it's actually um, doing well for the gospel. And that out in the, out in the world that people are preaching both sincerely and falsely, and some people are trying to start trouble for Paul while he's in chains. But he says, verse 15, uh, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit, Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. He's rejoicing that God's promises will be fulfilled. He's rejoicing that the, the good news of Jesus is being preached. Um, he goes on to talk about living and his life. He is, he is living as Christ. His life is a reenactment of Christ. And he's saying that, you know, if I'm, if I'm alive, um, then my life will be full of labor, but it will be fruitful labor. Or if I die in prison, then I'm going to be with Jesus. And he says that you'd rather go be with Jesus. Amen. But for the, for the sake of the kingdom, it's better that I stay here and remain on this earth for God's kingdom. And he says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being, uh, through my being with you again, your boasting in Jesus Christ will be abound on account of me. It seems to me that joy is a deeper thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I do believe joy is in motion. I do believe joy is something you feel. Um, some people would say it's a, a heart posture, it's an attitude. I, I, it may be that, but I think it is actually something you feel. And that that joy is deeper than the surface level emotion, and it is born out of God. Or specifically, living in right relationship with God seems to be what produces it. And that's, that's I suppose, the headline, but that has a bunch of implications. It's not just that you rejoice and that you have relationship with God, or that you are... You, um, are, are righteous before God. You, you celebrate when, the, when God's purposes are being fulfilled. You celebrate, you rejoice um, when God's will is being enacted, when the gospel is being preached, when you're seeing God work in people, when they're changing. There is a, there's a reaction to celebrate. Biblical joy, as I'm trying to define it, is a deep rejoicing, delight, celebration of who God is, what he does, what he promises, his gospel and our salvation. It is a deeper feeling or heart posture um, yeah. But most importantly, joy is not dependent on your circumstances. 
There's one other bit of scripture I just want to, while we're still in this section, go through. This is 2 Corinthians 6, 3 to 10. And some of them are quite long, but I don't like to pick out individual verses. I think that's a little dangerous. And this, this bit of scripture is called Paul's hardship, which is just perfect. So this is 2 Corinthians 6, 3 to 10. We put, no, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance. In troubles, hardships and distress, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right and in the left, through glory and dishonour, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. As a Christian, you are more or less promised hardship for the sake of Christ. And Paul, right now he's saying you're going to experience hardship, you're going to experience rejection, you're going to experience sleepless nights. You're going to experience sorrow. And yet, yet in all of that, he has joy at the same time. Rejoicing regardless of your circumstances. Rejoicing even when you are mourning. And it is not that joy cancels out the sorrow. But it is possible to feel sorrow and go through hardship and yet still have joy. Enjoy in knowing God, enjoying God who God is, enjoy and joy in the promises God has made you, and so on. So I believe joy is a reaction to knowing God through Christ, and happiness is a reaction to your circumstances. But why is joy better? Because unlike circumstances, God does not change. Happiness is of the flesh, joy is of the spirit. Which takes me very nicely onto my next section. How do we obtain joy well joy is a fruit of the spirit so how do we cultivate it uh, we do that in the same way we cultivate the other eight but before we get on to that I, I might have mentioned that I had a, th a theme there was a theme when I was reading through Galatians I'll, like if I'm speaking on a particular part of Galatians or any part of the Bible I'll try to read all of it and try and get what's the overarching theme when Paul was writing his letter to the Galatians um, he was discussing issues of new, of false doctrine, of um, Jewish Christians insisting uh, that new uh, non-Jewish Christians uh, be circumcised and live under the law of the Torah as they were brought up to do. And as I was reading this, and, uh, and again, you, this is just the impression I got, it felt like through the whole book of Galatians there's this theme of it's the law versus Christ. It's the old covenant versus the new covenant. It's the, it's the flesh versus the spirit. At least that's how I interpreted it. Um, the law is not evil. The law is good. Um, before Christ, it allowed people to approach God and have some kind of relationship with him. Um, however, it's always meant to be a stopgap measure. The law has a purpose to highlight that we can't live up to the standards without Christ. It's to make you aware that even that you need a saviour. Even if you externally did everything correctly, uh, think, think, to the, think of the parable of the rich young ruler. Even if you externally lived a perfect life internally, to even think of stealing made you a thief, to even think of killing made you a thief, to even think of lying made you a liar. Um, you, you just can't do it. It's to, it is to highlight your, your, you, you fall short so that you know you need a saviour. Mm -hmm. And without the law, 
you, you don't recognise that you need saving. And if you don't recognise you need saving, how can Jesus be your saviour? Mm. You can be a motivational speaker, but it's not quite the same. <laughs> Jesus fulfills the law on our behalf. He dies for our sins to make us clean. He gives us our Holy Spirit, which lives within us and changes our hearts. This is the new covenant. It's a bridge version. And the best description I've ever heard of the old versus the new covenant is, the old covenant is, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. The new covenant is, I will make you into a person who does not steal. I will make you into a person who does not kill. I will make you into a person who does not commit adultery. The idea is that Jesus' is, um, Jesus' Holy Spirit is in you and it changes you. Mm-hmm. And I'm explaining that because I believe it's a relevant theme. So... Last time I was speaking, I was speaking on um, Ephesians, I was talking about how you live worthy, and on the subject of maturity, uh, Paul started off describing what maturity wasn't. In the same way as we're going through Galatians, um, we're now going to talk about Galatians 5, 16 to 26, and this is where we mention the fruit of the Spirit, but Paul actually starts off by comparing the fruit of the Spirit against the acts of the flesh. Okay? So. so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, uh, dissensions, uh, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking each other, uh, provoking and envying each other. It's the fruit of the flesh, not of the... It's the fruit of the Spirit, rather, not of the flesh. It is not us that produces the fruit. It is not us that cultivate the fruit. It is the Holy Spirit within you that produces the fruit, that cultivates the fruit in you. It is the Holy Spirit that produces joy, love, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control within you. The fruit is the, the, fruit, is the fruit means byproduct. It means the, the, the well, just by having the Spirit in you, working in you, and you walking, uh, walking in faith, or walking in the Spirit, uh, it produces these things naturally. You don't have to do it by your own hand. If you do it by your own hand, if you try to produce faith or patience or gentleness out of your own effort, out of your own strength, then it is of the flesh. Yeah. And what is of the flesh doesn't last. Oh, so, what are you to do in this? Well, you're instructed to, to walk um, in the spirit. And I should just say before I go on, uh, sorry, I got a little nudge from David. There was a couple of points I needed to make when I was talking about this. <laughs> apologies, apologies. Uh, okay. to not lean on his own understanding. I will do that. I will do that. I'm aware that he spoke about joy this morning, and I didn't go deliberately because I don't want to, I don't want him to be better than me. <laughs> so okay, okay, okay. Right. How one of one of the ways in which you know. Um, it is, of the, it is truly of the Spirit in another person or in yourself is that these nine fruit... Uh, oh, sorry, let me start again. It is fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. It is a package deal. If you've ever had a subscription TV service to something like Sky, you know what a package deal is. You get all of them, whether you like it, whether you just want one or two of them or not. They come as a group. When you see a person or someone claims that, this silly thing like, you know, 
God's given me love, but he's still working on the whole self-control. <laughs> that is not, that's not the spirit. If it is the spirit of God that's producing the fruit, there'll be a balance. If it's just one or two, it's been done out of their own effort, which is done out of the flesh, which means they're not living by the spirit. Now, having said that, some of these fruits are more obvious than others. Some can be mistaken for others. And some people's characters naturally just facilitate or radiate or more obvious that one of these fruits are coming out. Mm. So don't, don't rush to judgment. But um, anyone who simply walks in one or just two of these things, it's not of the, it's not of the spirit. It's of their own earthly effort, of their own work. And not only do you not, you shouldn't do this, you don't have to do this. You don't have to be these things out of your own efforts. You are free from that. Oh, so now that I've said that, but here's what, you, here's what you do need to do. You need to cultivate relationship with the Holy Spirit. You need to cultivate relationship with Christ. You don't just become a Christian, this just happens. And to, to back up what I'm saying, as one often should, I'm going to go to John 15, which some of you probably picked to figure out I was going to go there already. John 15 is the vine and the branches. Yeah, yeah it's not that big a, it's not big a, that big, big a leap on the subject, is it? Okay, so John 15, the vine and the branches. 15. I am the true vine. I'm going to read the thing in its entirety. Again, I don't want to cherry pick. There's a lot in this. Yeah. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Mm -hmm. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Mm -hmm. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. <sighs> An awful lot in there. So what is it you're supposed to do? Abide, again, the, the definition I've kind of come across is abide means, means to remain, to remain connected, to, to remain in fellowship, to um, obey. And Jesus is basically saying, he's, he's obviously using the, no, he's, obviously using, um, he's speaking about how he is in the Father and the Father's in him. There's, an, there's a clear undercurrent of relationship being a part of this, but also obedience. You're to believe, to trust and obey. <laughs> This is how you remain in Christ. Mm. You remain in his love, and his word remains in you. So, how do you, how do you walk in the spirit? How do, you, how do you continue to cultivate with Christ? Well, you, you develop it like any other relationship you develop. You spend time with, you listen, you, you speak, you communicate, you walk with, you spend quality time with. And as for the words remaining in you, um, again, I'm just going to go a chapter back on John 14. And again, it's just a little snippet I want to give. All this I've spoken to you, well, all this I've spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Mm -hmm. 
To have the fruit of the Spirit, you must remain in good relationship with Christ. You do this in the same way you cultivate a relationship with anyone. Um, you spend time with the person, you pray, you talk, you listen, you develop your relationship and become more aware of the Spirit. As, well, sorry, as you develop your relationship, you become more aware of the Spirit in every day and you respond to it. As it said that the Spirit mm. desires what the flesh does not. So an example for the example I could give is um, you're with people, they're, saying, they're having a conversation, someone says something that grieves the Holy Spirit, you feel it, you sense it in your gut because you've developed, you've spent time developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And you say, no, I can't be part of this, I have to leave. Or there's that person that you really don't like, but you feel the Spirit's prompting you. Go and pray for them, go and, go and love them, and you go do it. Not because you want to do it, but because you felt the Holy Spirit's prompting. Yeah. And as you do more of this, as you, um, as you surrender to the Holy Spirit, submit to those, um, those, um, those, those um, movements of the Spirit, more of the fruit will grow in you. Mm-hmm. And this is actually how you, how you allow fruit to develop in you. This is also how you overcome sin. It is not through your own effort, but rather a submission to the Holy Spirit within you. That's how the fruit grows, and that's how you can overcome. So my advice to you, for those who seek joy, and it is a good thing to seek, don't seek joy. Seek Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. Seek the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Joy is not an option, it's not a choice, it's not a conviction, but an outcome. You don't choose to be joyful, you cultivate your relationship with Christ. So, two two, um, sort of final thoughts, I suppose. Um, Uh, First one, fruit is better until it's ripe. Um... The difference between fruit and a gift is a gift is one second, gift of the Spirit is one second you have, don't have it, the next second you do. Fruit is not imparted, it's not given, it grows over time. You can't be a Christian for a month and expect that you've got all this down, it takes time. And as it's grown, as God is working these things into you, it's not pleasant, it's bitter. Anyone who has prayed and asked for patience will know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't just become patient, you find yourself in situations that test you. So, time. You must cultivate a relationship over time and allow the Spirit to grow the fruit in you in t- over time. And, fi- and lastly, Jesus is the vine and, and you're the branch and the fruit grows in you. Who is it that's fed? Fruit's meant to be eaten. When I am fruitful, well, it glorifies God, of course, but who, who enjoys the fruit? When I have joy, when I have patience, when I have love and gentleness and self-control, it is everyone around me that gets fed. When you have the fruit of the Spirit growing in you, you impact the world around you. The people around you are fed by it. So, there you go. Um, Happy to pray with anyone and discuss with anyone afterwards. And, uh, yeah, Uh, God bless you all. And made joy grow in abundance. <laughs> Father God, we just thank you for Chris's words. It's opened out all of us eyes, I'm sure, Lord, of forming a relationship with you, cultivating that relationship, Lord, and being fruitful and going on that journey, even when it's difficult, going through hard times to learn where we need to be in Christ. Just thank you for my brother in Christ, Chris. Thank you for his, his efforts, Lord Jesus. Just bless him. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.